Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, hi, my name is Cornelia, aka Coco, and welcome to our community. I'm so, so grateful to have you here. I know our time on this planet is so precious, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some time with me listening to my conversation with Shivani Pau, who is the guest of today's episode. Okay, I want to give you a little background about Shivani. I came across one of her videos on Instagram or TikTok, I forget where, and it was a clip from her podcast. She has a podcast called A Millennial Mind, and she also is the founder of Performance Planner. In that video, she was talking about marriage and why are women always asked, when are you going to get married? because we're not the ones asking the question. So that video was the first one that caught my eye. And I was like, okay, let me let me see this girl. So I started to like watch her videos, listen to her podcast. And I was like, okay, this girl is really cool. And I wanted to have her on my podcast. So here we are. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to kindly ask if you can click that subscribe, like or follow button, depending where you're listening to. It means the world to me. And it helps this podcast grow. And I wanted to read a review I recently got from Alexandra. The subject of this review is this will change your life. Coco is one of the smartest women in the podcast world. I'm like, okay, thank you. She's brutally honest about advice all women need to hear. Whenever you're slipping into self-doubt, turn on some bougie best friend and you'll gain so much. You know, I love when I see these reviews because I'm like, oh, I, some people I recognize like their Instagram name or their handle. I'm like, okay, hi. So if you are enjoying the episodes, I would really, really appreciate a five-star review and comment. Let me know what you want to listen to. Let me know who you want me to have on the show. Like, give me some feedback. I need to know what you guys want to hear so I can deliver. Okay. Now let's hear from Shivani. Hi, Shivani, and welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. And every guest I have, like I, I invite them for a reason. And right. the reason why I invited you, I came across your video. I don't know if it's TikTok or Instagram. Yeah. It was a reel about you speaking about marriage and how people are asking women, when are you going to get married? We're going to get all into that. But that was the hook. Like that was what really attracted me to you. And then I started listening to your podcast and like, I just kind of got to know you and I was like, okay, this girl is pretty cool. So thank you again <laughs> for being here. Not at all. It's so interesting you say that because I'm glad you said that because I have no idea why that reel went viral. I have been talking about that for years. Like I've been posting my TikTok. But for some reason, that resonates with people. So I should have a question for you. Why did that yeah. really resonate with you? Because I'm in that age where I'm 31. Right. I have a boyfriend. We've been together for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And my content is about dating and relationships and, you right. know, maintaining that high standard. And everybody's like, you guys seem perfect together. When are you going to get married? Right. And I'm like, that's like have, asking somebody when you're going to have a kid. It's like you... I actually, I just want to stop here right now. And I want to, can you just tell us about that video and what was the video about for those who didn't see it? So the video was, I did a podcast on our big weddings, a waste of money. And the reason I chose that topic is I knew it was really controversial. I know a lot of people think that they have to have a big wedding or they have to do something based on society's standard. And I think it's really unfair. I think we should all be able to do what we want to do. And for some people, it is a waste of money. For some people, it isn't. And the whole video was about your opinions are subjective. So you could think £10,000 for a wedding is a waste of money. I could think £10 million for a wedding is a waste of money. Everything, Everyone lives within their means. And through that, I actually questioned and said, but why do people ask me when I'm getting married? Because how am I meant to know? Like genuinely, it was, genu it was a genuine comment. Like all, I'm, I'm Indian. I grew up in England. 
And literally everyone during wedding season constantly asks, when you're getting married, I'm the same as you. I have a boyfriend. We've been going out for two years. We're very happy. There's no rush. There's no like, oh, we have to get married because we have to fit into this society's mold. And for me, I was like, well, you know, I just asked that question on the podcast. Like, why do people ask me? Like, how am I meant to know? First of all, like, surely ask my boyfriend when we're getting married, because he's the one that's going to propose. I know, like, you women can propose whatever. Like, I'm not actually saying that. But he wants, like, it will, in our relationship, he will be the one that proposes. So I don't understand why people ask me. And generally, I don't understand why people ask women. Like, what do you want from that answer? Do you think they're going to tell you? Like, genuinely, do you think I'm going to be like, oh, this is when I'm getting married, but you're not invited? Or I think we're going to get married here. And I think... The purpose of that video was really, you can ask women other questions, you know, like when a woman is over the age of 25 or 28 or whatever bracket people put you in, you can ask them other things. How's your business? How are you? Are you happy? Are you doing well? Like, are you looking after yourself? You do not, the first question when you meet someone does not need to be, when are you getting married? Because number one, we don't know. Number two, we don't want to tell you. And number three, there are a lot of people in relationships who are struggling. And a lot of people are working through, like you said, your content is very much based around relationships. You'll know that a lot of people in their relationships are like, I'm fighting through this. We're struggling through this. We're working through that. And often when we put the emphasis on being married as like the number one thing we need to do, a lot of people then are like, oh, maybe I'm not ready, which means I don't like him, which means I'm going to give up. And there's this whole notion around millennials breaking relationships. And I think that is because there is so much pressure on like, either you love them and you want to get married to them within a minute, or like you don't love them at all. And like this narrative of like men just know and women just know, and you know, when you meet someone, it can yeah, you really- know, when you know, you know, like, no, you don't sometimes because you're in a situation right. when currently you don't even know who you are. Just so like, how right. can you know who you're going to get married? And you mentioned that you're Indian living in London. And I want to learn more about like your background and all that. But just sure. to add here. I used to date an Indian guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with the culture and I'm very familiar with additional pressures in right. Indian culture. Yeah. And I would love to talk about cultural differences later okay. on. But let's start with you. Um, so you're from London. I am. I was born and raised here. Yeah. I love your accent. Like that, was, I think that was what first, <laughs> I was like, she's so pretty and she's smart and look at her accent. I'm like, okay, I'll just let me new favorite podcaster. Accent is so funny. People keep commenting about my accent. I'm like, I don't even think I have one, but it's so funny that loads of people actually make a comment about it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, Gujarati mm-hmm. was actually my first language. English was not my first language and people mm-hmm. find that really strange. But, you know, my parents were working all the time. So I grew up with my grandparents for my whole life. And so Gujarati was a language we speak at home. And mm-hmm. so English I only learned when I went to school. So Wow. So tell me about your background. Um, I did my little research, as I mentioned, like I did some digging and stalking, but you have a full-time job as well on top of your podcast, The Millennial Mind. Well, I quit my full-time job, actually. So oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Congrats. <laughs> I quit about a month and a half ago now and it was like the most liberating thing ever. I'm so happy I did that. But obviously I still question myself every day. Like, what mm-hmm. am I doing? This journey is so crazy. And, you know, a reflection that I've really had is that when you're in a full-time job and you're doing something on the side, every high is a bonus. Like every single thing that was going well for me in my podcast suddenly became like a bonus for me when I was working. And since I've quit my job, it's become like a base level of where my expectations are now. So now it's like a survival. So when something goes well in my podcast, I'm like, oh, phew. It's no longer like, oh my God, because actually I don't have that full-time job to fall back on. And so the transition Mm -hmm. from working full-time to being a full-time like content creator, I guess, is Mm -hmm. massive. And And it is quite challenging as well because every loss when I was had my full-time job was like, oh, it doesn't matter because I still have my income. Now when I don't get something, I'm always like, oh my God, this is so hard. What was the breaking point in deciding, okay, I'm going to quit my full-time job now? 
you know what? I feel like after that video went viral, I was just getting so much attraction. And to be honest, it wasn't that video. It was like three months before Mm -hmm. when everyone was like, you're doing so well now. Like you need to make sure you're consistent. And I was like, yeah, I am being consistent. But actually it was like, I was really, really burnt out because I was working so hard at my job and so hard at this on the side. And actually it wasn't just one breakthrough moment. It was so many small things. Literally every single podcast I was listening to was like, you need to break free from your job to focus on this full-time because of these benefits. And every person I was meeting was like, wait, you're doing a full-time job and your podcast? Like, how are you surviving? And I was like, I don't know. And actually it was my editor who I actually hired an editor for the first time. And after three weeks, he said to me, he was like, I can't keep up with this pace. Like you're literally recording in one week. Then you want me to film the short form. Then you want me to do the the long form. Then you want me to release reels. Then you want me to release TikTok. And he was like, I can't do it. And I was like, okay, if you can't do it and that's your full-time job, then how the hell am I going to go back to it? (laughs) And so I was in this state of like panic, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And it was just every single thing I was reading was telling me that there was something greater waiting on that side. And there was something that I needed to let go of to welcome a different opportunity in my life. And, you know, it was like a buildup of these small things that made me just realize one day, like, what am I doing? Like, what do I want in my life? Do I want to be a partner at my firm? Or do Mm -hmm. I want to be the best best podcaster in the world? And Mm -hmm. I want to be the best podcaster in the world. So why am I not dedicating my time to it? Like I live Mm -hmm. at home. I don't really have expenses. I have a ton of savings. So what are those savings for? For me to Mm -hmm. keep in my account and never use them? Mm -hmm. Because the money that I'm generating now, is it going to significantly impact my life? And I'm lucky. Like I am privileged. I'm very aware of that. But I I also was like, this is my chance to take it. Because then I am going to get married and have kids. And at that point, I wouldn't have the time to do it. So I was like, give yourself a year, go for it. Everyone was against me and my family. Everyone was like, what are you doing? We don't support this. But when I explained to them that, you know, I could be the average Joe and do my podcast and do my job at the same time, and I will be average in both. But what is the point of that? Like, I'd rather go for my podcast and try. And if I fail, then I kudos to me for trying and being brave. And any employer will see that, that as a form of strength. No one will see that as a weakness. And so I can always get another job, but I will never get this opportunity again. And so let me just go for it. And I think, I don't know what I was thinking, but one day I was just like, (laughs) no, I love it. And I, you, you got a lot of momentum also after the Stephen Barlett podcast. Yeah. That was very impressive. So can you please share with my audience what exactly happened? So you were a guest, you were actually watching your auntie Rashma, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. tell us tell us the story. So for okay. those who don't know, uh, for those who don't know, Stephen Barlett is like the top podcaster in the UK. I'm not uh, sure yeah. if he's I'm not sure if he's that famous in the US. Yeah, I don't but- think he's that famous in the US, but he is like getting his profile bigger there because his audience is mainly in Europe. He's the number one podcaster. But this is a crazy story because I don't tell people the exact details of it because there's so many things that are like wild and I missed out. But Basically, he was earning like 1.7 million from his podcast. And it was an article. And I had never heard of this guy, by the way. He was the number one podcaster in the UK, but I hadn't heard of him. I was listening to like Jay Shetty and Lewis Howes Mm -hmm. and all the US-based podcasts, basically. And someone sent me his article and they said, you. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's earning 1.7 million from his podcast. I earn nothing from my podcast. Like, how do I do this? So I was like, I'm going to start listening to him. And this was in January. So in January of this year, I started listening to his podcast. And then slowly, slowly, I was like, I love him. I was listening to two, three episodes a day. I literally found his Mm -hmm. podcast incredible. And then my auntie Reshma, who is the founder of Girls Who Code, she messages me one random day at work and is like, should I go on Stephen Barlett's podcast? And I was like, yes. (laughs) What kind of question is that? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what? No, she like messaged me like, do you know 
Jillian Bartlett and I was like yeah I was like have you been invited to this podcast she was like yeah I was like she was like should I go I was like a hundred percent go and it was wild because on his story he was like who should I who should I uh, interview my podcast in LA and the next day she messaged me and I was like hold on hold on is this in LA and she was like yeah I was like wait 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 when is it and she told me the date and I had never been to LA since I was a kid and I booked I already was going to LA that year like by chance coincidentally Mm -hmm. and it was exactly the same dates as Stephen Bartlett And I was like, there there is something in this. Like, this is meant to be. Yeah. I go home the next day. My parents are watching this soap program and Stephen Bartlett's name is mentioned in it. I never watch it. (laughs) I'm getting goosebumps, even though I know this story, but I'm like, I'm literally getting goosebumps. (laughs) I never watch this program. I never sit down because it's like a soap Mm -hmm. thing. My parents watch it. His name was mentioned. I was like, what the hell is going on? Why is he coming like into my frame? Like every minute. I'm walking on Oxford Street and I see this big Huel poster, which is his sponsor. And it's like, buy Huel today. And I was like, what is, what is happening? Is it my reticular activating system? Like noticing all these things? I was like, this is weird. I was like, oh, right, do you know what? I'm going to order his book. I'm going to get his book and I'm going to read it. I have his book too. It's really good. Right. And then so basically I went to LA and I was like, now think about how the hell you're going to ask this guy to be on your podcast. But I was like, in my gut, I was like, he is going to do it. And I said to myself, Shivani, he, and I, I swear to God, I said this myself. I said, he is going to let you use his set. Mm-hmm. He's just going to let you do it. So I went along to the podcast with her. And okay, I was, wait, let me just pause it. here for a second. He's from the UK, but he records his okay. podcast in he was LA sometimes. Yeah, he was doing like a US season, US edition. Okay, yeah. and then she was a guest and then you could sit in the audience. Right. Okay. So she asked him, can I come along? And he was like, sure. So we get there and I meet him and he's so nice. Like we just, you know, you just vibe with certain people and you just mm-hmm. have like chemistry and so you get along. So we got along really well. He was asking me loads about my podcast. And when I got there, I didn't ask him straight away. I was like, this is not the time and place. Like, I'm such a direct person, but I had to really control myself and be like, don't ask him straight away. But I had his book in my hand and he was like, you have my book. Let me sign it for you. He signs my book and he says, you have limitless potential. Because it was after we have a conversation. He goes, you have like, you, you're like, he said something like that. I can't even remember. It was like, your opportunity is crazy. Something like that. So I was like, oh my God, he said that about me. Like, you must see something in me. So I was like, all right. Then the podcast finished and I was like, okay. So I went to the toilet. I was so nervous. Their podcast was an hour and a half long. We were in LA. It was 40 degrees. I don't know what that is in like Fahrenheit, but it was like. Uh, I'm I'm in Celsius. So 40 is really hot. Okay. Yeah, really hot. (laughs) And that morning, I was so stupid. I did the LA hike. I did not know that the Hollywood Hills hike was going to like kill me. And I did like, I don't know, like 1000 calories walking in the morning. I couldn't walk. But anyway, we, they finished the podcast. It was so hot that day. So they didn't have any AC in the room. So they were both sweating. After oh my the God. For an hour and 45 minutes. So it's now like 530. They finished the podcast. I went to the toilet. I was like, you've got to do it. And um, Rashma, my auntie was like, and he was like, and so Stephen was like, yes, I'll be on your podcast. Yes, I'll invest in your business. Yes, I'll do anything for you. And I was like, I was like, okay, oh I just God. have one question to ask you. I was like, I know I will kick myself if I never ask you this question. So I'm going to ask you. And he was like, go on. And I was like, can I please just have five minutes to record a podcast with you? And he was like, sure. And then I basically got out my little shitty camera and was like, so should we do it that way? So the lens covers both of us. And he was like, <laughs> and he looked at his team, looked at his team, and he was like, shall we just, and he was like, you want to just do it here? You want to just do our set? The setup was ready. Of course he was yeah, going to let me do it. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. So I was like, sure. And then we sat down 
and we recorded for 30 minutes and he did not rush me he did not be like hurry up his team weren't like let's go let's go my auntie though was pacing up and down the room because we had a dinner booked with all her friends from harvard so she was like stop like this is my moment i was like i don't care about the dinner i'll meet you at the dinner but i could hear her like getting agitated so i was like okay so we recorded for 30 minutes and he was like that was really good and his team apparently said to Rashma, like, he's never opened up like this before. Because the thing is, with my questions with Stephen, I knew that everyone knew his story. It'd be like me interviewing Elon Musk. I am not going to mm-hmm. ask him how he started PayPal and yeah. Tesla and all this stuff. The real power is in asking questions that are deep to Stephen Bartlett. Because everyone knows his stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what connected us in that moment was like, okay, these are really cool questions. And like, I wish I asked him more. Like, I don't think my questions were that amazing. But... It was such a proud moment for me. I still sometimes watch that podcast and think like, I can't believe it. I I'm watched just- it a few times, honestly, because it's it's so good. And you felt, I mean, whenever I'm interviewing somebody, if I don't really know them, and even even with you, I mean, I, I feel, you know, more connected to you because we're around the same age, we're girls and all that. But like, I was still nervous. I'm like, I never met her before. Like, I, I have my little notes here. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask, how did you come up with the questions? Because I was, I realized like that was probably very fast. It was very fast. The day before I got to LA, I realized that I hadn't really read much of Stephen's book. I'm going to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right, I need to think of good questions to ask him that are not related to his journey. And Mm -hmm. I basically skimmed through the chapters of his book and wrote down a few questions. Then in the morning of that day, I revised those questions. So I had my questions ready. But the mistake I made was because I was scared he could say no, I didn't want to hype myself up and like write Mm -hmm. all these questions. So it was like in my head, I wrote like questions, but I wish I spent more time doing them because I think I could have asked him better questions. But it was more the fear of like, but what if he says no, I'm going to be even Mm -hmm. more disappointed, you know? Yeah. The other thing I would say about that is if I'd asked Stephen to come to London and record in my podcast studio, he would have said no. The reason he said yes, it was convenient for him. And I kind of almost put him on the spot you know, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my auntie, my auntie was saying how great I was. He connected with me. Like he kind of didn't have a, like, he could have said no. And I'm, and I'm so grateful he said yes, but you know, I really did kind of like box him in <laughs> and kind of like do, do it that way. Because I think when you're asking big guests to come on your podcast, make it as easy as you can for them. Something that really stood out for me in the podcast with you and him is what you, he said something like you, you asked, like you were not afraid to ask. And that's mm-hmm. why I saw that you are going to have unlimited potential. Like you're going to achieve mm-hmm. great things because you're not afraid to ask for what you want. Can you speak yeah. more on that? Like how can people step into that uh, mindset of, I deserve to be here. I deserve to approach people that I want to connect with. You know, it's interesting you say that. I don't think I had that process of like, I deserve to be here. I was like, I'm so lucky to be here. And I would be mm-hmm. an idiot if I never asked this question because he even mentioned this in the podcast. If he had said no, my life would not have changed. Mm-hmm. Like I would have left that podcast being like, I am so eternally grateful that I got to go and watch a live Stephen Bartlett podcast in LA. Mm-hmm. No one knows I asked him to be on my podcast, but I got to go, right? I got yeah. to touch with him. So I was like, there is no potential downside from me saying no. My ego would have been bruised and screw that. So like mm-hmm. I have to ask. And I've become really comfortable now in asking questions. So like the other day I was in the gym and there were two girls on the left of me. And they were talking about like music and signing these artists and like all of these big names. And then there was a girl on that side and I was in the middle, right? And I was like, oh my God, they like sound really cool. So I really want to ask them what they do. But this girl was there and I was like, I feel really embarrassed in front of this girl. She's mm-hmm. going to think I'm a loser. I was like, if she leaves, you got to ask. She left. So I was like, mm-hmm. right, now this is the to ask. Now these two girls were like, is there a Q-tip? And I was like, oh, here's one. And then I was like, 
hey guys, by the way, can I just ask, like, what do you guys do? Your job sounds so cool. They were like, oh, we're music agents. We signed wow. some of the biggest music agents in the country. I was like, oh, and they're like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a podcast host. And they were like, oh, we're always looking for new podcasts for our for our, our artists to, to come on to. They were like, do you take artists? I was like, yeah, I do. And they were like, cool, great, let's connect. Now, mm-hmm. that opportunity is going to lead me to getting some really cool music artists on my show. But if I never asked what would have happened, I'd left the gym, nothing would have changed. And who mm-hmm. creates the opportunity? You. So you mm-hmm. have to take that personal responsibility of being like, what do I want and how am I going to get it? And there is nothing embarrassing about asking a question. Nothing. It's so respectful. The way you do it is also really important as well. Like mm-hmm. if I'd gone to Stephen Bartlett's podcast, the second I shook his hand, I was like, can you be in my podcast? He'd have been like, whoa, 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 I don't even know you. Like, calm down. <laughs> but you know, the power is in taking that initiative. The power is in not being fearful about what someone's going to say. Because at the end of the day, if they reject you, they reject you. But if they accept mm-hmm. you, so much contention. I mentioned that I used to date an Indian guy. Yeah. I didn't really realize that, it, like, he, I used to live in New York. So we met in New York and we started dating in New York, and his whole family lives back in India. We dated for four years. And I never really noticed in the very beginning how different we actually were. Mm-hmm. Because we were both living in New York and we were just like living our, you know, New York life. And then later on, like, when we would go to visit India, we would go to visit Croatia, I noticed big, big differences. Because right. the way you grow, and this is something I, I, I want to touch here for a second, uh, cultural differences in dating and religion, like differences that you might not see in the very beginning. And you're like, oh, yeah, let's just fall in love. Everything is great. La, la. We're going to figure this out later. Like whenever we have kids, we're going to talk about where they're going to go to school. We're going to talk about where they're going to, you know. But I think that it's so... Um, if you start a relationship with somebody and if you don't align on these core values, it's never going to work. You just can't change something so important to you. And core to you. Like, this is the thing. I think we all want other people to change, but are we willing to change ourselves? And mm-hmm. I'm actually like the opposite of that. Like, I have all the conversations up front. Like, I'm always mm-hmm. like, what are we, what religions are kids going to be? What are they, what language mm-hmm. are they going to speak? What school do they want to go to? Do you want to send them to private? Do you want to send them to prep? Like, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like, I try and have the conversations before because... As much as people, some people think that's probably a bit too much. I think mm-hmm. I've always been in like serious relationships. So that conversation mm-hmm. is come up. obviously on a first date. Don't ask someone those questions. Yeah. I mean, this is not. <laughs> but it is important to understand what's important to them because it will also highlight what's important to you. And sometimes we don't know what's important to us unless someone tries to take that away. When it comes to your relationship, what does your boyfriend think about podcasting and being like so out there? Because that's something that my boyfriend and I are different in. He's very okay. private. He has like 12 posts Fine. that I curated. So his feed looks a little more cohesive than it was. Uh, but like being out there, like in the social media space, like how does that, how does that feel being in a relationship? Um, you know what? My boyfriend found me because of my podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think he's grateful mm-hmm. I did my podcast because we probably wouldn't have met without it. Mm-hmm. And as much as he's, he doesn't have loads of followers on Instagram, but he's still very much like he's been on a TV show. Like he's done mm-hmm. his own thing in like the social media place. He's always on podcasts. Like he's always mm-hmm. doing like different events. And so he's not so much like social media because it doesn't really impact his business. Like his mm-hmm. is an IT company. Mm-hmm. And so him posting on social media will never like, it's not directly correlated. Whilst for me, my podcast, I need to be posting on social media so people know where to listen and watch it. I don't think that it's really impacted our relationship, but I do have been in relationships with people where they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And they don't like it because sometimes it can make them feel insecure and sometimes it can make them feel like the limelight is on you and sometimes it can make them feel like everyone has access to you. 
But I think it's important to find people that align with your behavior and align with your purpose too. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those girls who maybe want to start a new job and their friends or boyfriend or partner are just not receptive? Dump them. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) It's important to understand why they have their reservations. So like what is stressing? Okay. And this is the thing. I think having an open conversation is the most powerful, the most important thing you can have in the world. I will outright tell my boyfriend sometimes like this makes me feel insecure. And he'll be like, what, really? And I'll be like, it really does. And he'll be like, okay, why? And I'll explain to him. And he'll be like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, nothing. And then he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah, there's nothing you can do. So I need to stop being so like stressed out about it. It's okay to ask your partner why they feel insecure that you're uploading pictures of yourself on your Instagram or why you're sharing this or why you're sharing that. And understanding the insecurity, you can then understand how you can tackle that problem together because it's different for everyone. I posted something recently about uh, insecurity and I was actually kind of like playing a situation where your boyfriend is flirting with a waitress. Not, I didn't say your boyfriend, I said your date. Your date is flirting with the waitress while you're having dinner. Right. And a lot of girls were just like, just get up and leave. And, blah. and I'm like, okay, that's great. But what if you're married and what if you are in an actual relationship and you are feeling insecure, but maybe yeah. she, he's not even flirting with her, but maybe he's just being funny. Yeah, I was just trying to like actually gauge how people are going to react to that video because everybody was just like so dismissive, like they're done, you know, and something that you talk about a lot on your podcast is confrontation. And that was the first time I ever heard somebody with that kind of perspective. So I would love for you to share. Confrontation for me is such a positive thing. It is it is the best thing that I've learned how to do. And my family are very confrontational. We all talk around how we're feeling, what's upsetting us, like if something has annoyed us. And what has been the downfall is when you hold things inside and they eat you up and they eat you up. Think of it as a balloon. Like you're blowing up the balloon and one day you just pop. And then the other person's like, what on earth? Like you just popped about this like small thing. And they're like, no, there was loads of things. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell me? For me, if you are not telling someone what they're doing wrong, but you're bitching behind their back, it's the worst thing in the world because number one, they don't know what they're doing wrong, so they cannot change. So the Mm -hmm. situation is going to continue to happen and happen. And number two, if you're not expressing how you're feeling to that person, then how do you ever expect your relationship to grow? Like it's physically impossible. And if you care about that person, like if you and I are best friends and I really care about you, I don't want to move move away from you. I don't want to be resentful towards you. I don't want to then pick up on every small thing you're doing because there was one big thing that you did that annoyed me last week. Then now that everything you're doing is annoying me. And mm-hmm. things can get so out of hand if you don't just address how you're feeling. And confrontation has such a bad negative connotation attached to it. You don't have to bring things up in an aggressive way. You can genuinely go to someone with compassion and say, like, I'm feeling really upset because this really hurt me. And I'm only telling you because I really want our relationship to work, because if this keeps happening, it's going to push me away. And that mm-hmm. will allow someone to be like, OK, I'm willing to listen rather than being like, you fucking bitch. Don't you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's you going at someone in that way is never going to help someone but you telling someone like I'm I'm a little bit upset and I just want to tell you because I really care about our friendship or our relationship or whatever it is is always mm-hmm. going to allow that person to be like oh okay I didn't mean to upset you what if that person is not receptive what if that person is turning it around and saying like this is your problem this is a you problem you should deal with that I didn't do anything you know your your typical gaslighting So for me, if someone comes to you and says like, no, your feelings are invalid, you can say to them, like, everyone has different perspectives. And whilst I appreciate you didn't mean to do that, that is how you made me feel. So if you're not willing to accept that, then 
that's fine. I just need a bit of time to reflect. And you decide what you want in that moment. You give them time to reflect, you reflect. And either you distance yourself away from that person or you accept that they're that kind of friend that is never going to take that person responsibility. And do you want to be friends with someone like that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't know what you're doing wrong. I will not know that I'm doing something wrong. And you may say to me, like my boyfriend is sometimes, you know, says, oh, you upset me in that way. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like how, how could that upset you? And he's like, well, you upset me. And I'm like, okay, look, I'm sorry I did upset you. But at the same time, I this is my personality to be jokey around that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... I just want you to know that if I am joking in the future, I'm never upsetting you, but I will do my best to be conscious about it. But I also mm-hmm. can't my conditioning for 29 years to suddenly be like really sensitive around the things that I say. So I will definitely be more mindful. And if I do it again, let me know, but just always know I'm not doing it with bad intention. And that has helped us in that situation. So you mentioned you're 29, I'm 31. And I moved moved around a lot like I was living in Croatia then New York now Miami and with that usually you don't have that same core group of friends that you maybe you grew up with or you I don't have my mom my dad my brother to go to them say hi I don't have my you know because I chose this path and I'm like really great like I, I would never change what I did I love living in the U.S. but like I moved here alone it's very hard and adult friendships are really hard but I, I actually don't find adult friendships hard Um, I don't know if it's the line of work that I'm in. And so now when I meet people, they always want to connect. I actually Mm -hmm. think I'm one of those people that's like, I don't have time for like more friends right now. Like, (laughs) like, you want to go for coffee? And I'm like, no, no, I I don't. Because the thing is, is that I have a really core group of friends that are in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference as well. Like, I definitely think if I moved abroad and I was totally alone, Mm -hmm. it is hard to make friends. How do you make new friends? Like at the gym or whatever, And it can be a bit scary and a bit daunting. Like, how do you trust them? How do you bond with them? How do you connect with them? I think it's because, like, from from my perspective, like, I have a really close group of core friends. And I don't feel like I I have enough time to even see them, which is Mm -hmm. why when I meet other people, and they're so lovely, and they're so nice, and I'm so grateful that they listen and watch my podcast, and I feel connected to them. It's difficult for me to be like, I should prioritize time with you, then prioritize time with my friends who have been my friends for life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I find it a bit difficult to, like, constantly make new friends because also I think in this space a lot of people just want to meet you for your advice and they see you as Mm -hmm. this like talking Mm -hmm. therapist and life coach Mm -hmm. which I'm not like I'm not a life coach I'm not a therapist I don't have the answer to all your problems and people are booking in coaching calls with me like I do coaching in terms of like strategy workplace like culture and people are booking coaching calls being like I'm so depressed today I need to talk to you and I'm like I'm I'm really sorry I can't talk to you and like it's so scary because people just want access to like they think the things you're talking about the podcast make you an expert but unfortunately I'm not I wish I could lie to you or tell you that I am but unfortunately I'm not it's just a reflection I've had or a conversation I'm having and it's amazing it's providing value but a lot of the time in friendships I think as you're making new ones, it's difficult to tell which ones are real and which ones aren't. And I think that maybe that's why adult friendships are a little bit harder to make because it takes a lot longer. You think about it in school, you're seeing your friends every single day. You know you can trust them, you know you see them. There's an accountability there. With adult friendships, there's also like, you don't see them as often, so it's difficult. What do you think about friendships that maybe you just grow out of and, you know, you don't want to... I was thinking about this question while you were speaking about comfort confrontation. It's like sometimes you don't want to tell your friend, listen, I just don't like you anymore. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Like, what do you do? Unfortunately, I think in that situation, I'm going to be totally honest. This is what I'm saying about confrontation, by the way. If you care about that person, you should confront them. 
if you do not care about them, you should not confront them because there's nothing for you to solve. There's no like end of the day, you know, there's nothing for you to be like, I want to confront the situation because this is the outcome I want to get. Because unfortunately, I've had that situation in my life where I realized that people in my life, I'm like, I don't actually like you. Mm-hmm. Like, you were never a good friend to me and I don't really like you. And so I just slowly, slowly, slowly distance myself from them. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And now when it's like a random person and I feel like I don't really like them, I just, I genuinely know this is really mean. I just do ignore Mm-hmm. Like if they message me and they're like, hey, do you want to meet for a coffee? But I know that the coffee is because I've now grown on my Instagram. Like you didn't message me once. And now three mm-hmm. years later, you're messaging me like, hey, you want to go for a coffee? Like I'm going to ignore you. Yeah. Someone actually messaged me, which I found ludicrous. Like hadn't spoken to them in four years. They messaged me going, hey, do you have an Indian outfit I could borrow? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? We haven't spoken in four years. And she was like, I know this is really random, but do you have an Indian outfit I could borrow? I was like, huh? Like, whoa, surely that's like not something you think is okay to ask. Like, we don't speak, we're not good friends. Like, do you think I'm gonna just come over to my house and be like, yeah, sure, take it? Like, it's, I think it's, I just didn't bother replying in that situation because I was like, we're not really friends anymore. And so Mm -hmm. we haven't spoken in four years. So, like, it's a bit random to ask someone that. Yeah. And you can definitely feel when people are starting to take advantage of their like approaching you for cloud air. I mean, I, I see it every single day as, you know, my page is growing or something is going on. And, and I see when people are like, you know, message me here and there. And then like next week, there's a question, there's a favor yeah. they need. I'm like, okay, well, I kind yeah. of saw through that. Tell me more about your productivity planner. I know this is totally random, but I just thought of that. I don't actually have it here. I have, I have it downstairs. Mm-hmm. But my performance planner basically came out from, I was coaching a lot of people. And I realized that we, there's a simple tool in which you can use to hit any goal. And it's literally what I've created in the planner. And not only is the planner around your goal setting, but it's also to do with your mindfulness. So everyone has like a journal for their reflection. Everyone has like a five minute journal for like gratitude, affirmations, like to write down notes and stuff. I wanted to put it all in one. I wanted to put like your goal setting, your daily planner, how you prioritize your tasks, your time blocking, your gratitude, your affirmations, your reflection in one place in over a one page. So you don't have to carry around different journals. You don't have to have several different planners. It's all in one for you to do. And doing that will elevate your performance and your productivity. What do you think? What is the main? I mean, I know there's many different reasons why people are not as productive as they should be. But if you can pinpoint one thing. Procrastination. Why do people procrastinate? You don't time block your tasks. If you don't time block your tasks, you don't know where your day is going. Mm -hmm. Like, if if you don't know exactly when you're going to do something, how are you going to know where you have free time and when you don't? Like, let's say I work a nine to five and I know between nine to five, I have like two hours free in between. If I time block those times where I know I have two hours free in between, I can do something in them. So can mm-hmm. I do it before nine o'clock? So can I do it after five o'clock? But if I'm just like aimlessly going about my day, being like, I have my work day and then I have a few things to do. If you don't know when you're going to specifically do something, then you're not aware of how much time you're losing. And so time blocking is like the number one tool that I would say. There's so many, but if you had to pinpoint me to one. Can you walk me through your day? My day? Oh my I know, gosh. I know it's every, but everything is different. You're recording left and right and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Today, I'll tell you about my day. So I woke up at 5.30. I came straight downstairs um, on my desk. And I actually, I'm not joking. I worked solidly until 11 o'clock. I actually... Wow. Like and then at eleven o'clock I had a meeting, and then at twelve thirty my brother was like, "Do you want to eat something?" And I was like, oh, "Wait, what time is it?" And I was <laughs> no, like, I should eat something. I was in like a full focus mode today. That's not that's not every day, but generally, I would say like I wake up quite early. 
I used to go to the gym every morning and I don't really do that now. I probably do it twice or three times a week. And if I'm going to the gym, then I go to the gym, then I have a podcast to record. I generally am recently doing a lot more podcasts for other people too. So I've been doing one podcast for someone else a week as well. For October, it's like there's been Diwali event after Diwali event. So there's always something mm-hmm. going on in the evenings. But I would say I'm quite rigid in my schedule and I don't really have any social plans with my friends Monday to Friday, like ever. Mm-hmm. I actually only ever go to like events or PR stuff if I have to. I also say no to a lot of those things too. And I think you have to say a lot of like no to a lot of those things too. But generally I would say like, I'm no day is different. No day is the same for me. So unfortunately I can't tell you like a day in the life. I think it's very important to note that when you are running a business, whether it's a podcast, whether it's you're selling candles, whatever it is, like you need to tell your friends and family that maybe for the time being, you're not going to be as available and there's nothing against them. Like maybe you just, you just don't have time. It's not that you don't have time. You decide to prioritize your time towards yourself and building your business and like trying to make something, trying to make a difference in this world. And I think that's, you know, when I started, like, really, when I started my podcast, it was also completely on my own. I was editing, I was doing everything myself. And you can mm-hmm. relate, like, that was like a lot of work. And I, I'm like, why am I becoming an audio engineer at 31? Like, that's not something I want to do. I, but yeah, when you're running a business, it, there's certain sacrifices that you need to make. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, when it comes to running your business, I think there's a lot of pressure. Do you have any specific tips when it comes to, I mean, pressure can be in many different ways, obviously. Some people have financial pressure. Some people have like, you know, can you speak more on pressure and how you deal with pressure? I definitely put so much pressure on myself, but Mm -hmm. I will say one thing. I was watching a podcast the other day. I'm not going to say who, but it's like number one in the world. And during that podcast, they had a huge guest, right? And this is someone who has a big team, like maybe seven, eight people in the room. And at the start of the podcast, someone walked across the screen. And during the podcast, it was like so echoey, like when the person was speaking, it was like not clear and they still released the episode. And I was like, this is the number one podcast in the world. Like one of the number one, like top five in the world. Mm -hmm. And they can make a mistake with all these people and they can release it. So -hmm. why can't I? Like Mm -hmm. if my audio isn't the best one time, like it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If somebody, if something happens and that goes wrong, like the clip cuts out or whatever it is. If they can do it, why can't I? And we compare ourselves to the best, but you have to remember the best also make mistakes. And I don't look at that and be like, ha, so happy you made a mistake. I look at that and be like, you're human. Like, I get it. Like, it's so hard. And like, no one is perfect. Even if you have 1500 people working in your team, like no one is perfect. And you have to remember that. And you've got to remember to stop being so hard on yourself because there are so many people that have a lot more resources than you and a lot more time and a lot more money. And they aren't able to do what you're doing with the amount that you have. And it's just really important to always remember that you could, you're doing so well for within your means because most people are. I would like to talk more about relationships since that's pretty much my my platform. It's about dating and relationships. And it's all also about like leveling up and being, you know, the best version of yourself. So when it comes to relationships and marriage specifically, when we were like talking about this in the beginning, some people think that getting married is the the, the highest level of success you can achieve as a woman. We yeah. obviously know that's not true. Obviously. Any thoughts on that? Why why is that still such yeah. especially when you're around 30? Yeah, because women used to get married to level up. Like people when they get married are like, "Oh, my husband has this and he lives in this house and he has this car." And when when women were like back in the day, they weren't as educated. So the man they married kind of determined the life that they would lead. 
And so like, if they were a housewife and their husband was like a billionaire, then yeah, they'd hit the jackpot. And a lot of people would see that as like a sign of success. And the thing is, is like people love to say like, oh, women have a body clock on them. And so like, if you don't get married, you won't have kids. And then how will your life be? It's like, some people don't want to get have kid children. Some people just don't want to do that. And I think like there's such a pressure on women getting married because it's just always been the case. Like the man, the woman needs a man to survive. And what we're seeing now is like women do not need men to survive. They can survive on their own. We do not need men to be like, we need to buy a house. We need to start a business. You can do it yourself. And people find that almost a shock because it's like, Women are doing male roles. And I saw someone tagged me in this video being like, toxic feminism is ruining the idea of like <laughs> gender roles. And like women, women are going to end up alone more than ever because men don't like strong women. Some men don't like strong women. Some men do. Some men don't want a woman that is going to not do anything herself. And some men don't want a woman who's also going to have their own business. Like people are different. And I think we need to pave the way for that. Like we need to allow people who want to work to work. If some people don't want to work, that's also their choice. And we're not here as feminists to judge them. But I think it's really important to remember that like you can do all the things that your husband is meant to do for you, like that are meant to provide for you, like a roof over your head, money, food on your plate, whatever as well. You can achieve that yourself. And I think because we didn't want to give women that expectation before, we've almost carried that through to be like rely on your husband for that. But I think so many women are doing it themselves now. They don't need their husbands. You mentioned gender roles. Mm. I would love to talk more about that. You mentioned feminism. In terms of gender roles, like I'll give you an example. My mom has very different expectations of me and my brother. Okay. So like when I was younger, it was like, you need to learn how to cook because you're going to get married one day and you're going to be a mother one day. and You're going to have to cook for everyone. And for my brother, who's 27 years old, he made an egg the other day. And my mom was like, oh my God, well done. He's 27 years old. Like he is one year younger than me. Well, he's going to be 28 next month, but like mm-hmm. he's literally one, one year and three months younger than me. And he is taught a completely different standard. Now I will say this, I'm also taught a different standard from him in terms of like, my parents won't ask me to change the tire or switch the light bulb, you know, like they just won't, mm-hmm. but I know how to do those things if I needed to. And this is my point is that like, you can play to your strengths. Not every man has to be the best cook and not every woman has to be like fall into the masculine, like gender norms, like as what people say. But my point is, is like, there are certain life skills that we need to all know. And we shouldn't just go into that bracket of being like, well, men look after the household staff and women look after the household, like in terms of looking after the day to day, but men manage the bills and manage the electricity. We should all learn how to do everything from a young age and then pick and choose what we enjoy. Because some men love cooking. Some men love cleaning. Mm. Some people love organizing the holidays and doing the bills and sorting out the insurance. Like, why do we have to kind of put everyone into these boxes? And I just think that's what we really need to change. We need to stop being like, these tasks are for women, these tasks are for men, because it can really push people away from things that they really love because they're forced to do something. What about financial situations in a relationship heading towards a marriage? I I get so many money questions. I have this thing on my Instagram called what will Coco do? And every Tuesday and Friday, people ask me questions. It's always about money. I mean, it's a lot about money. Um, it's like when Tell we move in. Yeah. When okay, when we move in together, do I have to pay the yeah. rent? Do I have to split the rent? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? My answer usually is that you obviously have to have an open, honest conversation about your expectations, what you can provide, like what you can contribute to the family. It doesn't have to be a monetary value. Like if you don't have enough money or you don't everybody has a different dynamic in their relationship. Yes. But gen- generally people Girls are like, if I move in with him, do I have to contribute 
if I'm moving into his place, like who should pay the rent, who should clean, like if he's spending more money, does that automatically make me responsible for the household? Like, do I have to do all the laundry? Do I have to do all the cleaning? Yeah. It's a difficult one. I think for me, it's, I'm also someone who's like, I rather have everything 50, 50, but that's me. And like, mm-hmm. I just never want a man to be like, well, I provided for you or like, I did this for you or like, I bought this house for you. I'm like, everything should be 50, 50. Mm-hmm. I also think that like, if someone like, let's say my boyfriend was earning 3 million pounds a year and I was earning 30,000 pounds a year, it's ridiculous to do 50, 50 because it should be a percentage of the salary that you're both able to contribute. But I was, would say that you should always contribute. Like in my mm-hmm. opinion, you should never let someone, I think, pay for everything. Like, but I, that's just me. I know some people like like to be in a relationship like that. I've never been in a relationship like that. And that's because I just would feel indebted to that person for everything. Like I don't ever want to feel like I'm not putting my own weight or I can't, I can't be just as powerful in that relationship you know I want to always make sure that I can provide too because I think like being being a provider is like an innate characteristic and I'm somebody who definitely wants to be that person who does that for my kids and does that for my family and treats my friends and like has that ability to do that and so like it's just it would be weird to me if someone was always paying for me but that's my personal response that's my personal response yeah Mm-hmm. It's funny when I was growing up, my parents both work and I was always very independent and I was always very into creating a career and building this life for myself. And then somehow in my 20s, I started to kind of lose myself in a sense. And I was like, I'm just going to date a rich guy and he's going to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And then with a lot of growth and pain and healing, I was wow. like, that's actually not what I should do. And I should focus on, you know, like building myself first as a person and then you know you can be in a relationship whatever way you want and then you can be equally like you can equally participate in a relationship um to kind of wrap this up i would like to ask you if there's anything else that you can kind of share for our listeners who might be struggling with like just like reaching that level of performance or like just being their best self I know that's such a term that everybody's like oh be your best self but like we're all kind of hoping to be our best selves every single one of us has a strength every single one of us is good at something and I would say hone in on the fact that you have certain strengths and I always say to people write a list down tell me all the best things about yourself tell me all the things that you're lucky to have not the things that you're grateful for not like I'm grateful to have my cup of coffee this morning it's like I'm so lucky that I have so many friends that love me I'm so lucky that I have a community that supports me I'm so lucky that I'm able to listen to so many podcasts and elevate my performance every single day if I want to like write down the things you're lucky to have and then find your strengths we all have strengths. We all have power within us. And it's so important to focus on those things because that is what is your superpower. And I think that's the most important lesson I learned was just be you. Like there is so much you have inside you. You just may not have unlocked it yet. Shivani, you're wonderful. Oh, thank you for thank being you. here. I would love for you to share your podcast, your Instagram, all the socials where can people find you? Yeah, it's Shivani. So S-H-I-V-A-N-I dot P-A-U is my Instagram. My YouTube is Shivani Powell. My socials are all Shivani Powell, but all the links are in my Instagram. So if you follow my Instagram, then you'll be able to find me. Thank you again. And um, I'll see everybody in the next episode. See you.